just said the machine's up. Okay, we're ready to roll. Watch it. Hey, knucklehead. It's time for American Knucklehead, an average Joe's take on the state of the nation. Hello, friends and neighbors, and welcome to the American Knucklehead Podcast. I am your host, Crawford Smith, and I thank you for listening. This podcast is being recorded in Portland on January 9th, 2021. Well, I had a whole new episode ready to rock, and then the events of this past week came and put the pork to that. It seems like every time I turn around, there's some new insanity that makes what I'd been planning on saying pretty much irrelevant. We're living in some seriously interesting times now, friends and neighbors. The riot and assault on the U.S. Capitol building is just the culmination of the last four months, of the last four years, of the last four decades of what might rightly be called insanity in America. Now, I started this podcast, or rather Joe Knucklehead started this podcast back in 2011. Even back then, it was painfully apparent that things were getting way off track in this country and that the mainstream political parties were doing nothing to address the issues that even a knucklehead like me could see. It was clear that the country was on the wrong course even back then, and the events of the subsequent 10 years, unfortunately, have borne that out. My original thesis, friends and neighbors, was that the United States of America is like a house. This house, our beloved home, has been allowed to fall into disrepair. Problems keep mounting a disintegrating healthcare system, a substandard educational system, crumbling infrastructure, a widening gap between haves and have-nots, endemic racism. I could go on and on. This house, our house, has been neglected for so long that a major renovation was necessary to get it back to its full potential. We, as a nation, would have to roll up our sleeves, make some sacrifices, and pull together to do the difficult work required to fix up our home. Of course, that did not happen. Instead of fixing our house, we managed to set it on fire. That fire has been burning for the last four years, consuming the country, consuming lives, while the nitwit Nero in the White House continues his demented fiddling. Now, the blaze has been extinguished, more or less, but the embers are going to smolder for a long time. In retrospect, I don't think that we should be surprised. If a straight-up knucklehead such as me had seen this coming, so should the people who are placed to do something about it. But they didn't. A lack of political courage and short-sighted behavior on behalf of the so-called leadership in this country made it so much easier to kick the can down the road rather than addressing the problems. The primary reason for this gross dereliction of duty, friends and neighbors, is that the political discourse in this country has largely been hijacked by the extremists on either side of the political spectrum. Due to the convoluted and gerrymandered structure of the American political system, these extreme voices have a grossly disproportionate amount of influence on their respective political parties. On the right, we have the Woofers. The Woofers have turned the Republican Party into a 21st century version of the Know-Nothings, an apt name if ever there was one. And then on the left, we have the Tweeters. They've pretty much done the same thing with the Democratic Party, dragging it much further to the left than many American knuckleheads are comfortable with. Now, because of the structure of our electoral system, 
these extreme factions have outsized influence on the direction of their respective parties. And for good or ill, we really only have the two parties. And let's face it, it's mostly ill. This political duopoly has been as useful as a pitcher of warm spit when it comes to making the difficult choices required to put out the flames and begin rebuilding this house. I'll give as an example the recent passage of the long-overdue COVID relief package. If ever there was a situation that fit the phrase a day late and a dollar short, this is it. There were many times where it seemed like the congressional leaders were much more interested in political point scoring than actually providing help to the millions of American knuckleheads suffering in this rotten pandemic economy. Hell, the whole thing might not have happened at all if Moscow Mitch McConnell hadn't been worried about the Senate runoff elections in Georgia. Now, I'm going to take a moment here to hold forth on my opinion of the two political parties. One of the huge mistakes that the media made is assuming that both parties are equally culpable for the current state of affairs. This false equivalence was a big part of what propelled Trump to the White House in the first place, and it's very destructive. Don't get me wrong. The Democratic and Republican parties both suck, but they don't suck equally. Now, this podcast has been leaning pretty heavily on metaphor, so I'm going to offer up another one right here. Consider the crime of murder, the most heinous of crimes. Now, consider a person who has taken a human life. They are, by definition, a murderer. Now, consider a person who has taken a hundred human lives, a serial killer. Now, both of these people are murderers, but the crimes are not the same. The murderer who takes one life, perhaps in a fit of passion, well, I'd say they might be rehabilitated. They might actually, with a lot of hard work, become useful to society. But the person who has killed a hundred, well, friends and neighbors... I have a hard time seeing any hope for redemption there. And that's how I feel about the major political parties. The Democrats have killed once. They might, in time, redeem themselves. The Republicans have murdered over and over again. They are pretty much beyond redemption at this point. The assault on the nation's capital pretty much demonstrates that. And if that don't move you, consider that a whopping 45% of polled Republicans approved of the seditious attack by woofer rioters on the Capitol building. I'm sure this murder analogy has supremely pissed off supporters of either party. Look, I'm not looking to reach out to the woofers or the tweeters here. If you're happy with either of the major parties, then good for you. I'm reaching out to all of my fellow American knuckleheads who are reluctantly forced to choose between one bad choice or another and support one of the two major parties which seems the least odious to them. There can be another way, friends and neighbors. There has to be another way, or our house will soon be reduced to a smoking pile of rubble. As angry as I am, I'd really like to put all this animosity behind us and figure out a way to move forward. In my heart of hearts, I still believe that as Americans and as human beings, there is much more that unites us than divides us. Difficult as it's been to believe lately, I know it's true, and that the only way we're going to progress as a nation and get past all this mess is to look past all of the fear and loathing that have been whipped up by cynical opportunists. Look, I know how easy it is to get one's buttons pushed. It happens to me all the time. Get an emotional reaction based on what you see or hear in the media. I get all worked up and react accordingly, and usually badly. The problem is that both parties have gotten to the point where they don't really have anything to sell but that button pushing. 
and telling the potential voters how horrible the other side is rather than putting forth any ideas or suggestions about how to improve the lives of Americans. Tell me, friends and neighbors, when was the last time you actually voted for a candidate versus voting against the other candidate? It's probably been a while. I know it sure has for me. Now, I said I was going to try to be nonpartisan here, but I got to dump on Trump in an attempt to make a point. Now, keep in mind that in the 2020 election, Donald Trump received over 74 million votes. That's considerably more than the 63 million votes he received in 2016. And this after four years of vulgar, self-centered, deceitful, dishonorable, and generally unpresidential behavior. 74 million. Wow. 74 million people decided the Democrats had so little to offer that they cast their vote for this turkey. And despite the events of this week, despite the assault on the nation's Capitol building, I'm certain there are millions of more Republicans who would still vote for Trump. The whole concept of collaboration and compromise, they're absolutely vital in a working democracy or anywhere where responsible adults want to get anything accomplished. But collaboration and compromise, these concepts have become almost extinct in American parties. Driven by the extremists on either side of the spectrum, all we're really going to see is a continual partisan pissing match with no real results that would help rebuild the American house or otherwise assist the vast majority of American knuckleheads. This is a vicious cycle and it's not going to stop. There are just too many people who have reaped mucho money and power from this dysfunctional system. And they don't want their gravy train to change. And they have a hell of a lot of resources to make sure that it doesn't. The foxes are never going to voluntarily give up their henhouse guard duty. If there's going to be real change, if we want to save this house we call the United States of America, then that change is going to have to come from us American knuckleheads. Since we certainly can't count on the main political parties to do anything but keep circling the drain we have to start seriously talking about a third party. Now, I'm talking about a major third party, friends and neighbors. I mean, there's like hundreds, if not thousands of third parties out there. And a lot of them are just a couple of guys with a website and an axe to grind. Now, more power to them, but they're not going to change the system. Similarly, the Greens and the Libertarians are not going to be of any use either, since they're mostly comprised of the same type of extremists who have buggered up the Democans and the Republicrats. Right now, it kind of looks like we might get a new third party sooner or later. At least some people think so. At this point, there's a lot of bibble-babble about the Republican Party fracturing into two parts, not unlike the Whigs in 1856. Now, for more American knucklehead commentary on the Whigs, check out episode 37 of the podcast. But the general idea here is that the old-school money-grubbing Republicans would be in one party, and the batshit-crazy MAGA Cretans would have their own, presumably with all the secret handshakes and passwords and so forth that they need to feel validated. Sounds good, as it would sort of quarantine the really marginal nut jobs where they could do a minimal amount of further damage, but I don't think it's really going to happen. The two halves of that party are like conjoined twins with cancer. They can't live together, but they can't live apart either. There is a better option, friends and neighbors, a party that claims the broad swath of middle ground that has been seeded by both major parties. The name of this party is the Alliance Party, and I'm looking forward to telling you about it in the next episode. 
Right now, I, like many of you, are still too stuck to the news channels to see what's going to happen next in this carnival of shame. But in the meantime, I urge you to check out theallianceparty.com. Now, keep your heads down, friends and neighbors. Stay safe, stay sane, and remember, now more than ever, we are in this together. Ha, ha, ha.